Greetings, fellow investigators, and welcome back to our video podcast, Into the Darkness, where my friends and I play the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. I'm your host, Tom Rayleigh. Our campaign is entitled A Time to Harvest. It was written by Brian Sammons, Charles P. Zaglanis, Glenn Owen Barras, and Mike Mason, and it's available on the Chaosium website. Jeff Wilkins is our Game Master, and this is Chapter 3, Episode 4. So, without any further delay, let's continue our journey into the darkness. Jeff? Next time. So just a brief little recap, the last episode, the players, everybody was sort of introduced to a new, I don't know, benefactor maybe, uh, very rich, rich guy in America. Uh, he's sort of equated to, you know, like Bill Gates rich. Um, eccentric, millionaire, you know, the kind of cliche there. Um, and he basically brought you guys to his home slash office um and he's giving you he's rolling out the red carpet for you guys he's he's like you know treating you nice he's feeding you the amazing foods he's bought you all new wardrobes uh, you know nice clothes that are fitting you perfect and everything um and all with the sort of you know he's basically asking you to help him um and i believe that was all successful everybody seemed open to that so really, I guess we'll just pick up where the last episode, and by the way, the, just so you know, the timing of this all is not really important. So I'm going to be just loose and vague about it. You know, like it'll be the next day or it's really not, not that critical. Um, we, we did start out the, where in the morning, you guys all met with uh, a couple of the staff doctors and even a psychologist. And with the intent that he wants you guys to be tip-top shape, uh, you know, both mentally and physically for when you, you know, um, the quote mission for when you guys return back to Vermont, back to Cobb's Corner. Um, is there anything you guys want to start off with at all or just, uh, I think we, we, we did a bookkeeping with some mecha game mechanic stuff where sanity and hit points were regained, but... Well, is it, are the specimens is it, ready for viewing yet? In in time, in time. Is it safe to say that perhaps over the course of the last couple of days here, that we've told them pretty much everything that happened to us okay. in Vermont, and I mean, unless there's something that people want to leave out, but. Um, I'm going to ask you to hold that thought just for a little bit. Um, but, but yes, your, your point's taken that, I guess that makes sense that, you know, at some point through the day or two, whatever, um, you guys have basically just all shared information. So that, that's fair point. I think one thing that's on Danny's mind is, um, the lawyer was going to bring his gun or send a <laughs> gun, whatever. Don't know how he's going to transport it. But also the, uh, the, the the kind of alien weapon as well. Mm -hmm. um, so I think Danny would love to get back into some target practice if it's appropriate somewhere. I don't know if they've got that kind of facility in the building. or And also to see what they think of the alien weapon. And he wants to try it out. He wants to see if he can actually use it against these evil creatures. 
So that just just as and when it kind of works, you know. I know Jerry already asked about whether they have a, a range uh, for shooting, and uh, if they do, uh, Jerry would also like to try practicing with a pistol, and has will will request uh, good pistols because so far he's uh, rather better with a rifle. Okay. Um, are are we limited to the fifth floor only? Yes. No, he did invite you up to the sixth floor, his floor. That's right. Last night's dinner. So you have been up there. Um, but for like day-to-day -day normal activities, you're mostly limited to the fifth floor. Are there, are there windows? I mean, do we, are we aware of where we are? There are windows, but they've been blocked and boarded up in, in a nice way. Not, I don't mean slap. They don't want people to know this is a, a building that we're using. Mm -hmm. And it's a little bit too of his own personal, you know, hermit type attitude where he doesn't, doesn't like the outside world and wants to remain secretive. And So when I walk around during the day and I attempt to get on another floor, am I stopped by a guard or am I stopped by a locked door? Um, that I need access or key. It's a, or... it's a good question. Um, I'll say that there's kind of like people coming and going throughout the day. So, you know, first of all, let me, um, I'm not even sure if I even showed it to you yet, but they have a, they have a map of the building and they have a floor by floor. So, there's certain things I'm not showing you yet. But one thing I noticed just was looking at it today, the way they have it described, the elevator comes up to the fifth floor and then there's like a long hallway where you guys are. And then the, another second elevator goes from the fifth to the sixth floor. And mm -hmm. I'm thinking in my head, that doesn't make any sense mechanically. There's no way you would have an elevator just for one floor in the middle of two additional living spaces. So it's like, so just ignore that if there, if or when it comes up. It's just one elevator, I'm going to say, that goes straight from the basement to the sixth floor. Um, there's a there's a key, like you have to insert a special key to get to the sixth floor. Right. So what else, to, to, I'm being vague, but you're, whenever you sort of make an attempt to explore, you're kind of quickly maneuvered around it, like, what do you what do you need what what can i get you and like everything is um you know they're they're not forcing you but at the same time they're not really open to just letting you wander around the business does that yeah yeah so it's, it's polite but controlled yeah very yes well it's security yeah they they they're making sure that because they don't know us yet. Right. There's a certain element of trust on both sides. You don't know them. They don't know you. Do we see any people here that seem to be more than just, uh, you know, a maid and a, a butler or whatever? Do we see people that look like agents, you know, that occasionally go upstairs or past us, but they don't talk to us or... I'm wondering if Abelard has some sort of an organization that we are dealing with here. Maybe we don't know what it is, but. Um, 
Definitely a good question. I think with what you've been exposed to so far, I'm just going to say you haven't, you don't know that yet. Okay. Um, so that, that might be revealed very quickly soon. Well, I'm, 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 I'm completely uh, refusing to see the doctors, but I'll, uh, I might talk to the psychologist if they insist. And mm -hmm. kind of I think that's where we left it off, where you did talk with him. It was just sort of a, a very, you know, you revealed a little bit. They just asked you how you were feeling. Like, so you were, you were willing to take, I think, I think you got one sanity point back or something like that. Right. And, and I revealed enough to them that they know that there's something really wrong. Yeah, yeah. Well, where are we saying that wrong? How would, how would a psychologist put that? You're not crazy. Well, he would put it to me as, everything's okay. He'd put it to the other psychologist as, wacko. <laughs> <laughs> He'd probably well, say, well, well, you know, well, you know Tug's just this guy, you know? He's psychologically damaged in some way. So how about this? So, um, so after the whole, I'll just say that the whole, the doctors and the psychologist thing, it pretty much takes up the day in addition to you still being in relaxed mode, right? So they're still taking care of you. They're still bringing you food and then, you know, so it's just, they're trying to, you know, <sighs> give you a book, listen to the radio, whatever. Um, so the next day, uh, the, the secretary, I got her name already, it's, uh, uh, Selena, Miss Preston, um, early in the morning she shows up, she tells you guys that you're welcome to have your uh, breakfast, but after the breakfast she would like you all to attend a meeting. Um, and, you know, any problem with that or? No. Okay. Um, so again, you know, breakfast, whatever you want, it's kind of like a continental breakfast. You have whatever you, you want within reason. Um, and then shortly afterwards, you kind of, you guys are just kind of sitting around waiting and, um, Ms. Preston comes back in with Mr. Aylard and I think probably his, yeah. I mentioned you met his uh, chauffeur last time too, the Scottish guy. Mr. Pascal, uh, oh no, that's. That was the lawyer, yep. Uh, Peter Murdoch was the chauffeur. Um, so the three of them arrive and they, they're just here to tell you like what, what they hope to accomplish today with this meeting. Um, they would just basically want to start the ball rolling as to, you know, what, first of all, he wants to introduce you to the team, uh, who you're going to be working with, and at the same time, sit down with, with the team and everybody just start coming up with ideas as to how you think, you know, he, he's, he respects all of your input and what you've been through. And so he wants you to be part of the process of, deciding and, and figuring out how to go about this. So you guys all gather in, there's a conference room, it's probably where you've been eating like your meals too. So there's a conference room and after a little while, uh, four people come in. I 
can give you their, their names uh, and a brief description. Uh, there's Larry Neckler. He's kind of, um, he's basically the mechanic slash electrician. Very kind of a blue collar-ish guy. Um, he, he's familiar with the radio. He'll be your radio man, basically. Um, you have David Drake. He is a professor uh, of history and folklore. He's also a psychologist. And well, maybe that'll come up later. You have, and Tug, I don't know how you want to react to this. You have Sarah Matherson. Uh, she's a medical a medical doctor. Um, so she comes in, I'm going to say she comes in in a, in a white lab coat. Okay. Did you say Matheson? Matherson, yeah. M-A-T-H-E-R-S-O-N. And then last, we have Sam Morrison. And he is kind of the no-nonsense, battle-scarred veteran of the Great War. Uh, he's basically in charge of security. Sorry, sorry what, what's his name again? Sorry, there was someone was coming in. Yep, Sam sure. Morrison. Sam, Sam Morrison. Morrison. That sounds really familiar. Like a singer. <laughs> <laughs> so, so introductions are made all around. Everybody greets each other. Um, and then Mr. Iblard kind of takes a back seat. Uh, he's there sitting at the table. Um, Secretary is off to the side. She's sort of, I guess, like the secretary would take notes. Uh, and the, the chauffeur slash bodyguard, he's sitting just outside the room in the hallway. Um, right, and he basically says, you know, do any of you want to start? Um, or do you, do you want me to start? Perhaps you could tell us, Mr. Abelard, why you think they're interested in Vermont. Well, I think it's a combination of two things. They seem to be attracted to um, mountainous areas. So Vermont has the Green Mountain Range. That's where Cobb's Corner is pretty much at the foot of the Green Mountain Range. Um, and that seems to fit with some of these other places that we've discovered them or at least heard stories and rumors of. So like places like the Himalayas, um, things like that, you know, they're, they're associated with mountain ranges pretty much. Um, Is that because of uh, some kind of uh, caverns or uh, tunnels uh, deeper into the earth? I believe you're definitely onto something. Um, it's been suggested, and this is what we think too, that it's because of that strange sort of mineral or element. I'm not sure even what to call it myself. Um, I believe you guys found a sample of it yourself. Yes. Yeah. So you we, called it Pascalium? Yes, Pascalium. I, I was kind of wondering why it's called Pascalium. Does it have any relationship to your lawyer? Yes. Uh, no, I have to... That's uh, Leon Pasqual, 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 Pasqual. All right, I have way too many notes here. So Leon is the lawyer, right? 
Yeah. You know, let me see. I think I got it right here. Jerry, it's also folklore. I mean, people who live in the mountains know that they're dangerous and that there's woods and people are afraid of the dark, you know, so mountains have always had things living in them. Uh, well, that's true of any uninhabited place, Tug. Uh, well, I'm saying that maybe that's why. Maybe they really have been things out there in the woods living in the, in the mountains. Well, that hardly explains why they want to live in the mountains, uh, unless it's just because they're uninhabited, but in that case, why aren't they also dwelling in deserts and the Arctic tundra? Well, I would say security. Islands. I mean, I'd say it's easier to hide inside of a mountain than it is in the middle of a desert. And also, if you're attacked, you've got a mountain between you and the enemy. I don't well, know. Seems, uh, seems reasonable for any military strategy. Yeah. Well, the deserts yet, are also they, easy to cross, and mountains are not. Uh, it's. I don't think it's critical, but I, I can't see it, find it right now. I don't have it at my fingertips. But long story short, Leon Pasquale is, I believe, the lawyer's name, and it's his brother, who is one of the uh, geologists, and um, who pretty much did a tall ton of research on this mineral slash ore, so he got to name it after himself. Ah, okay. That makes sense. He was the first guy to study it, and so he got to name it. That's yep. kind of cool. Yep. And is, uh, and is your counselor and his brother aware of its uh, significance? Yeah, I mean, as much as we all are, you know, it, it's still being studied. It's still, that's why we had it down at the Arkham University. We were talking with uh, Professor Learmonth. He was researching it for us also. So it's, it's an ongoing... Well, thing. yes, but until they uh, attempted to uh, remove his brain, or uh, perhaps not even then, depending on what he does, it is not recall, Professor Learmonth does not know its significance. So you mean that its discoverer is aware that it's a an object of interest and importance to well, sure, of unknown a, provenance. It's harder than diamond. That would be incredibly valuable to a chemical company. I mean, a, a oil and whatever the industry. Well, I can't think of the name. But perhaps I'm, perhaps I'm being overly indirect. It's just become a bit of a habit considering the strangeness of these matters. Uh, does uh, Dr. Pasquale know that uh, that these beings exist and desire the substance yes he is on my team and we're you know he's he's aware of the situation how how did you initially become aware of all of this um you see a, a bit of a look come over his face um for me this is it might sound petty it might sound childish but for me this is all about revenge uh my son and i were i'm pretty sure it was nepal we were in nepal and we were hiking in the mountains and we were attacked by these creatures. 
they killed my son. In the process, and he looks down at himself, he's in a wheelchair. And he says, and in that same attack and process where I tried to help and rescue my son, uh, I was crushed by some rocks and I lost the use of my legs. So for me, I need to find out, I'm driven to find out as much as I can about these creatures. And I, I'm trying to, you know, how, how much of a threat are they to us, you know, as for mankind? How, how did you come to connect the beasts that attacked you with the beings capable of replacing minds and, well, everything else they're capable of? Uh, so what was the first part? I missed that. Well, how did you know that the uh, creatures that attacked you uh, were the masters of this uh, nefarious endeavor? Well, I guess, um, and again, I don't have my notes, but I think it's approximately like eight, eight or some years ago, at least, maybe even more. Um, you know, this has been a long journey for myself. Um, I put my heart and soul and my money into learning as much as I can. So I've gone around. That's why, like, I'm scouring all there is to learn about folklore. You know, when when local folklore folklore talks about some sort of a weird creature out in the mountains, yeah, it might just be made up. It might just be a story. But I found enough threads of truth to start connecting all the dots. And, and that's been my learning process. And that's what I hope you guys will help me with. You know, you've had experiences that I've not had yet. And I believe you guys are important to this because you can not only help me, but perhaps we can learn more. I, I think well, that it's is certainly an honor and an appealing opportunity. I think it's obvious from the last month that they have tried very hard to keep themselves a secret. And if you know about them and other people know about them, they might take some serious steps to stop you. But I'm still unclear as to how you know that uh, which uh, monstrous beings are those in control. Uh, we saw one that does not bear description and others that uh, resemble a, uh, demonic satyrs and uh, still others that probably don't bear description if seen directly but uh, looked uh, somewhat chitinous. H how do you know which beings are your true enemies? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, I guess up front I'll just tell you that some of those stories that you've told and shared with me, we were not familiar with. So, so the only one you recognized was the, the kindness being? Correct. Well, uh, among, among the, sorry, Tom. I was so what difference does it make? They're monsters. They all need to be killed. But it may be that only one of them is uh, controlling the others. Perhaps uh, it has replaced their minds somehow. Perhaps that is why some of the legends have uh, Sasquatch ape men and others have well, whatever else they have. Well, it's not the mole men. They're, they're innocent. 
Jasper, what were you going to say? We, we told you about this, um, I don't know what you'd call it, a doorway, a portal, a, 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 a window that, that, that we saw. Um, does that mean they, they come here from somewhere else, or have, or have they always been here? That uh, definitely meshes with some of the information we have learned. I believe Dr. Matheson is going to, um, and he, he looks to her for like a nod of approval. And he says, I, I believe Dr. Matheson is willing to show you some of this later on after this meeting. So I think some of those questions maybe you might, you might experience and learn about it firsthand rather than hear me tell you about it. I think that might be better. Uh, you, you suspect that they've infiltrated the government? Um, I guess at this point it's not a stretch. It's hard to say what we know and what we don't know. So is it, is it possible? Yes, I believe it could be possible. Is it likely and probable? Probably not. Then if, if you have specimens, then, uh, then I wonder whether you've already engaged the, uh, engaged the military in this matter. Uh, at least uh, the physical forms of these things are, well, in the most literal sense, uh, alien invaders. Well, but we know that they can look like us. They look like our friends. This is true. So. When, when you say they, uh, my understanding from the, uh, the defector was that those who had replaced uh, others at the university were themselves human minds uh, in the service of these beings from perhaps past ages. We don't know whether the beings themselves can replace anyone. Well, there are humans that were working for him then. Indeed. That, that was why I assumed that perhaps there was a concern for government infiltration. But if you think the possibility is remote, uh, then I wonder if you had engaged uh, any military support in, in the venture, uh, assuming your immediate purpose is to uh, find where they reside and hunt them all down. I think to answer your question, I have to be careful about what I say, but to answer your question, I believe the military is aware and involved. Um, I don't think I can really go into more detail than that. Well, it's well, nice. We're glad to be a part of it. It's nice to meet um, the team, you know, the, all the guys that are in front of us and kind of just acknowledge them. If, um, if the mission is to go back to Cobb's Corner, uh, we got into trouble uh, with the police and it wouldn't be stretching it too far to say that surely some local people have been taken over or are in, influenced by the evil forces. You're, you're right, Danny. That, that must account for so, the strange uh, 
notes we found in the classroom and the impression that there's some kind of a local uh, degenerate uh, paganism or witch cult or something well, the of that vampires. Nature. Don't forget the vampires. That's right, but perhaps people, perhaps local people have been uh, propitiating them for, well, who knows for how long. And, well, and, and the Pukwudgies. The what? Mole men. Pukwudgies. Yeah. Um, but my point is that if we show our faces again, we might it might raise an alarm. That that's what I'm wondering. Would would it if we would we have to go in secretly with your team, or I'm not sure how that would work. Well, that's that's certainly a good point. Um, Perhaps we could present a distraction. We could uh, appear to be uh, continuing our research for the university and. Uh, continue to appear as, uh, well, as ignorant as we were when we arrived the first time. Perhaps this would distract their local agents well enough it, for the rest of the team to uh, pursue the uh, entrance to their lair or whatever your intention is. Uh, or, or is the intention more to learn and find out where they might be residing, in which case our presence will not alert them to anything more than they would already expect. If the, I'm uh, sure that they're if the sheriff and the deputy are taken over and they see us, then they're going to alert their masters. So I think we should go in disguise of some sort. Camouflage. Camouflage. You know what? I think students look like students because they're students. If we go in in ties and business and, and cut our hair and and look clean cut, they might not know we're the same people at all. I mean, they've only met us a couple of times, and that was when we were kids and they hated us as kids, and we might blend right in. What, what about if we all grew moustaches? Yeah. I think that would uh, make us look older. No, I, I think Jasper's right. I, uh, I realized that we uh, hadn't attired ourselves quite as formally as, uh, for example, uh, Mr. Pasquale, but uh, after all, we uh, uh, was still might be recognizable, but uh, well, I've never worn a beard. Uh, seems like as uh, good a disguise as uh, anything within reasonable range of aesthetics well I'm, I'm good with a gun and i kind of look to sam uh the security guy and can i give him the look and uh, i'd like to do some training before we go so what's what's the plan what's your plan? oh Dan, i thought you meant you were good with the gun for your disguise <laughs> no, no i, I want, about I taking want, out the the, the chef uh, and the deputy. I, I want to know what the mission is that's that's what i want to yeah do. i want to find out what their mission is what do you want us to do? So I guess um, this is Abelard speaking. Um, in, I mean, it's really. I don't. I don't mean it to sound simple, and I don't mean it to sound like you're going to have an easy time of it because I realize this is not. But here's what I'm hoping to gain from this expedition. If at all possible, I would love it if able to capture one or more and not spill your tea. 
have you ever have you ever experimented uh, on a live specimen before or only recovered carcass uh yes we have well we'll catch you one and you get the big gigantic fat of, of hot butter ready and <laughs> um, into a lobster what, what what can you tell that that reminds me um the uh one of the suck uh the uh Psychologists earlier said that the the specimens would be uh, ready for viewing in good time. Uh, will that good time arrive before our departure? It would be instructive and uh, and of great interest to, to see one, even if it is deceased. Yes, uh, hopefully, if time allows, we'll be able to take care of that today after this meeting, probably. And is there anything? If you have experimented on one still living, is there anything you can tell us about there? Capabilities, what they what they can withstand, uh, any vulnerabilities they might have. And he looks back to Sarah um, Matheson, and again looking for her nod of approval. And he and he says, "That's I believe what Miss Matheson has planned for you later today." And also, uh, aside from, well, you, you described their attack upon your, yourself as quite physical, but uh, do they have other capabilities? We need to be aware of sure i mean that's you know by all means this is not you, you know be aware you're headed into danger right i don't want to scare you off but you this is dangerous right that's what I, i'm can they, can, can they manipulate the mind without physical contact we suspect that might be the case yes shoot um, them in the head do they have heads? Yeah, kind of ugly looking thing. Well, I think we can presume that whatever it is, it's going to be ugly. So let, let me let me real quick. So uh, I think high pri highest priority number one would be to capture a living specimen. Um, that way we can study it and we can probably gain a whole lot more information. Second choice, if you need to, capture one that's dead, right? We can still learn a whole lot about their physiology and, and you know, their makeup and, and everything. Um, third, of course, is just information gathering. You know, uh, how many are there? Are there two to each mountain range? Are there swarms of them? You know, where do they live where's their hideout where do they you know th th this is in addition to hopefully capturing them this is also just purely every bit of information that you gain is helpful you have no idea of their numbers so far not really i mean you know putting together all the pieces and the stories it seems like there's not that many of them at least not that many that are that come out and are shown at one particular time do you so, know how they reproduce? Do they have young? We've not gotten that far yet. And are you interested in the other specimens as well? Everything. I mean, if you find it and you can possibly, you know, being cautious. Um, yes. I mean, any anything you can find as specimens, that would be tremendous. And um, are you prepared to... Uh, interview 
human beings who might be involved with this matter? Yeah, matter of fact, I was going to mention that, that, you know, in your last visit, I believe some of you, or all of you, uh, were part of the teams that were going around and interviewing the locals and getting stories. Mm -hmm. So I would like you to think about whether or not anybody that you talked to then, who you may have just blown off as, oh, yeah, he's a local loon, he's just making things up, now knowing what you know now, Maybe there are threads that they have shared with you that perhaps might you might revisit them and interview them again, try to get more information in that way. And um, it, it seems that this facility is um, rather clandestine, uh, and uh, you suggested you had other such locations. If we were to find someone who seem to know a great deal about this either through personal experience or collusion uh, are you prepared to either protect or host such a person um Not sure I'm fully understanding what you're. Well, you're saying if you discover well, somebody came looking who, for us, they wouldn't find us very well. Uh, so I wondered if we, there was anyone we discovered who might be of importance, either because they know something as uh, victims or witnesses, or because they are collaborators with them. If you want us to be prepared to uh, retrieve them as well as a living specimen. Um, so he's, he's kind of hesitating. He's like, all right, so I don't want to get myself into any sort of legal trouble. So what I would like to say then is if, if possible, I want you all to stay within legal limits, right? So, you, you know, earlier you were talking about possibly camouflage and that's fine. If you want, if you want to do that, that's fine. I would like to consider this whole mission to be considered under the radar, right? So it's not necessary that you have to go in like ninja stealth and nobody has to, if they find out who you are, the mission is blown. It's, it's not like that. If you need to talk to somebody in town that you talked to earlier, yeah, they're gonna recognize you. Uh, so it's just, I don't want you to draw a lot of attention to yourselves and to the mission you know, the, the best thing we can do is almost operate in plain sight as if there's nothing wrong. All right. And we'll use our own discretion whether something is necessary. We'll just report everything back to you, and you decide what, the, what we should do. Yes, we will definitely. That's part of the reason why we have the radio contacts, is that we will be in communication. Well, well are we going under assumed identities with beards, or are we returning as students and uh, hoping that they don't remember too well or don't give us any immediate difficulty. We'll just return as, as part of this team. Yeah. That I seems the most straightforward. I mean, you know, let, let's face it. It's a small town. As soon as you get there, the townsfolk are going to gossip and talk. They're going to know that you're there. You know, some of them I are going to they, they seem to have fine memories for the previous two expeditions. 
mm-hmm. on the part of Miskatonic. I mean, the last expeditions and, and even your expedition caused quite the stir. So everybody, you know, and this was only, you know, in, in game time. This was only about two weeks ago. Well, are we purporting to uh, continue representing Miskatonic? Or to represent some other organization? Or perhaps uh, only a private interest? If you feel it helps one way or another, you can do whatever you want. You can. Yeah, we can just save her from Miskatonic. That's probably a good idea. It might raise further suspicion if we sit in SNLs. Miskatonic, they won't be surprised. Uh, what if we just said that we're from the, this company? That's You can certainly do that. Well, I mean, then they'll be surprised that the same students who were previously thrown in a jail cell are back representing this company. Who cares if they're surprised? We'll just say we were hired by them to continue the survey. I'm an adult. I can get hired by somebody. I'm not a I child. I thought we had some concern that the agents of these beings might alert their masters that something was out of the ordinary. Well, let's try not to go walk over to the police department and talk to them. Let's just go there and... Yeah, stay away from the police and that's all. I mean, and if they find us, just tell them to buzz off that we're there on business. Oh, that reminds me. Can they fly? Yes. The the sheriff and the... <laughs> <laughs> Nobody can fly. There's just barely a bit of planet. Uh sounds where we flew here. Can they fly? They can fly? <laughs> the giant lobsters can fly? Some of them I believe can. Oh, well, I want to see I want I want to see these dead ones to see where the best place to shoot them is. Shoot them in the wings. <laughs> <laughs> Let gravity take its toll. I'm going to shoot them in the privates. Well, okay. We don't know, so... we, we don't know if they have privates, Danny. The man said oh, that... how they reproduce. That, that's, that's why we went to see the dead one. Shoot them where they're not, whatever they're not showing us. Those are their privates. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's go see these things. Um, all right, hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, Mr. Morrison, Sam is kind of speaking up. He says, well, we're still here to talk about the mission. We don't have a lot of details ironed out yet. Okay. So, manifests of... uh, So, if we... uh, What about this, Tug? Um, Obviously, there are others uh, than ourselves. If we present ourselves uh, as the same Miskatonic students or Miskatonic students without emphasizing we're the exact same, although I think that we're members well enough. Perhaps uh, the others uh, represent the company. That seems almost as if someone might expect it to happen. Well, you seem worried that they can do something to us. No, unless I'm not. We, unless uh, we do something illegal, the sheriff can't... Uh, uh, I'm, I'm not at all concerned about what they're going to do to us. Uh, I'm concerned that uh, whichever human being in Cobb's Corners is really a 300-year-old slave of the lobster creatures will simply pass the message that we know more than we knew before, and then instead of, I don't know, uh, what uh, alien lobsters do, uh, lolling around, climbing on each other, as you do when you're an alien lobster. Instead, they fly deeper into the earth, into their 
secret realm, and we find nothing more of them. Jerry, you do a lot of imagining of things that could happen. I don't know. Then we're dead. Danny's looking at Tug sideways as if Jerry's maybe losing it a little bit. He's talking about them lolling about and flying into caves. It's it's what what else can we do? We can go there and do a job and and if they find out about it, then they find out about it. If they don't, I'm not saying go in there and announce it. Oh, you are the one who suggested going in camouflage. Well, this is the next thing to pretend to be a that, ninja. Every, everything changed since then, but. I say that we're camouflaged just by going in there with these other people. And yes, I agree. The best disguise is no disguise at all. Let's move on, Tug. Okay, so Sam speaks up again. Um, and he, he lets you know that he's got a rough plan figured out where we will... First, okay, so let me let me back up. If, if I said this already, I apologize, but uh, you, there's going to be two teams. You guys are going to call A team, and then we're going to have a B team. B team is strictly mercenaries. They're the muscle. They will be approximately five minutes away from your location, which, by the way, is going to be, you're going to be in the same farmhouse that you stayed at last time. So we've already made arrangements there. Um, they're about five minutes away. They're a little bit further into the woods. They're going in separately. Hopefully, they're just going to be there in case you need them as backup. And they plan on being very, you know, they're not going to be going out into town. They're not going to be um, drawing any more attention. What, do you know what the whole situation was with the, the corpse at the farmhouse? And uh, we, we told them all everything, didn't we? Oh, yeah. A couple of days. Mm -hmm. Well, sure. yes, but I'm wondering if you have a, if you have an explanation for it from your previous for research. For what? I'm sorry. Well, the uh, vampire. Yeah, the, the whole the local vampire. The house and the vampire. Was this something to do with uh, them trying to replace someone? Was it was it unrelated folklore? Was it just uh, local madness? Um, I don't know. That's yeah. That I mean, there's a lot of things happening here. A lot of wheels turning. I think that was just strictly a local issue with a husband and wife, and the husband was distraught, uh, got to too much drinking, um, and all that. Well, Mr. Morris and Sam, can yes. I call you Sam? Sure. If your team, if the mercenaries are going to be in the woods, then you understand about the mole men. Mm -hmm. They're. they're they're primitives. They, socks. they like socks and they like chicken. But if you don't attack them, they won't attack you. And I don't think you should attack them because they're, they've been there for a thousand years and they're a culture. What was that you, what was that you were saying before about imagining things, Tug? We saw them. I've got a scar on the back of my neck where one attacked me. Was it that? Was it there for a thousand years? So, Mister well, no, Morris comes in. He's looking a little bit more perturbed than he was a minute ago. And he says, "Gentlemen, can I please tell you my plans?" And all right, all right. Can we stay yes, focused please. here for just a little bit, please, Mister Morrison. Tell us your plans. <laughs> Ziggy so, says that we should probably listen to his plans. <laughs> So he reveals to, you know, where you're going to be staying. 
He reveals to you where B team is going to be staying. He tells you about the radio communications. You've got the mechanic who's going board for that. Um, he would like you guys to basically in the daytime, you can do what you want. You can go interview townsfolk. You can go on Sam saying, I plan on running missions out into the woods to see if I can just learn and find any traces of them. I mean, if they're living there, they should be leaving some sort of trace. Maybe we'll just stumble upon them. Who knows? Um, well, so can we say that we've also sort of drawn a map of where we think the cabin was and the tree stump and the, the rock? Sure. I'll, yeah. I'll even say they're ahead of you on that. They, they right. put out like a whole big... I'll, uh, Jeff, I'll, tr I'll try to draw them a picture of the horrible thing that I'd rather not be remembering, but I am, so I might as well try and draw it. Yeah. Maybe it'll help not remember it because I won't be... I don't know, as worried about it once I've drawn a picture. So we'll, we'll call you if we find something and you'll come running to our rescue? Right. Well, that's that's B team. You know, we're going to be together. So, you know, um, I mean, unless you don't want to be together, then... No, no. no uh, so you, so everyone here will be uh, in the same team. Right. Same. We're, the, the team. Other, we're in the, the local the, farmhouse. So the entirety of team B are mercenaries. Right. Uh, how many? Uh, I think we'll have four, or there might be a fifth. Yeah. All right. Um, I also plan on setting up alarms and traps around the property. Um, you guys are welcome to help and if, with that if you have ideas. Um, well, I'd like to help. I have some experience with hunting traps. Well, okay. Well, last, last time they, they, they came from the air. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, Jasper. So we warn them about the getting plucked out of the air, you know. What what, what about mist nets or something yeah. like that? Yeah. Something so here's where, here's where I'm going to ask one of you. I mean, I already said the secretary was there taking notes, but you guys keep track of any ideas that you want to bring um, beyond what I'm about to go through in a minute here. Okay. So what what did you call them there? Mist nets. Mist nets, yeah, very fine nets. Used the kind of things they use for trapping birds and um, bats. Because you can't see them. I mean, you you can see them if you're really looking, but you really can't if you're. Are there until it's too late. from your experiments? Are there any substances that are toxic to them? Perhaps the mist net could be coated with it. Butter. Um. <laughs> Butter. <laughs> <laughs> and lemon. <laughs> Tartar sauce. <laughs> so here's what here's a list of things that we will be providing you. Um, you're going to have bedding, obviously. We're going to provide you with canned food, cold water, uh, medical supplies, kerosene lanterns, electrical torches, flashlights. Uh, plenty of batteries. Um, this is something I meant to look up and I forgot. Three very pistols, which apparently are some sort of a flare gun. Yeah, so if we get, maybe we can't yell for help or radio, we'll shoot our flare guns. So each, there's going to be three of them and each uh, pistol will have 50 flares each. Uh, there will be three pairs of binoculars. You'll have miscellaneous tools, just your basics, you know, hammer, shovel, screwdrivers, just in case you need to fix anything. Um, 
there will be quite an extensive uh, chemistry slash biology lab. Um, you can do with that if you're so inclined, you can, maybe you'll find that useful. Uh, you'll have two shortwave radios, meaning the one house A, your farmhouse, and the other uh, farmhouse B. Um, there's going to be, we'll, we're going to need to, and he looks to Larry to confirm this. He says, we need to, when we first get there, we need to install, there's a nine foot radio antenna. We're going to have to attach that to the roof of the farmhouse. And Larry just shakes his head like, no problem. Do that. Uh, you're going to have a portable generator, um, mostly to be used for the power of the radio. So not necessarily meant to provide electricity for the whole house. You'll have lanterns for that. Um, four 50-gallon steel drums of gasoline. And then a Ford Model TT truck and a Ford Model H uh, car. Um, he then looks to Danny specifically and to Jerry, and he says, weapons. Um, Danny, we're still in the process of getting your pistol back for you. Um, Jerry, do you have a preference? Do you want your particular rifle, or we will be supplying anybody who wants one with a British Lee Enfield MK3 303 rifles? Oh. That certainly sounds more than suitable, thank you. Uh, considering uh, my tendency to uh, lose rifles lately, uh, I wonder if you might be able to spare another, uh, perhaps, uh, well, perhaps the uh, latest model of the uh, Remington. Okay, we can probably get that for you. Um, and um, Danny, I... Uh, don't have your experience with pistols. Uh, perhaps you could recommend two. Uh, anything that does more than ten points of damage a shot would be ideal. What he said, twice. I I just think it funny that you're standing there in front of this military veteran and you say you have a tendency <laughs> to lose rifles. I'm just trying to picture the look on his face when he hears that. I I, I don't have much experience at all ever firing a gun. Uh, Sam kind of looks you up and down, and he says, no offense, but you look like you don't necessarily even need a rifle. I'm a knife fighter. <laughs> he, can cart, he can cart heel as well, big time. Uh, yes, so to answer the question about the pistols, we have four Colt models, 1917, uh, 45 revolvers. We also have two Thompson machine guns, 800 rounds each. Or 800 rounds total and then he looks slowly at each and every one of you like be careful with this he says we have a case of 24 hand grenades I'll have one so gentlemen as you can see I believe we are fairly well armed to the teeth I will take that as an approval. That was, um, <laughs> that was Hungarian was... for, yes, I'll just have a rifle. <laughs> Yahoo, that was. Well, yeah. I, pro I, I promise yes. to keep a good track of mine and uh, not uh, 
lend it to anyone else uh, prior to their exiting the cabin and being uh, abducted by a flying lobster like last time. So the I, I th sorry, I, th I think Danny would be willing to take a second pistol. If his own one arrives, then it wouldn't do any harm having two, you know? Absolutely. But I want that alien thing as well. I'm, Just, I'm no good with pistols. They're too heavy. Mm-hmm. Just gonna have a knife. I, I used to I used to use a rifle at home. A good sack of quarters. <laughs> used to shoot targets on the fence posts back back on the ranch. So he makes note of that he thought that was a really excellent idea of the the nets. Thank um, you. Do you have any of you have any additional requirements or suggestions? No, but in addition to the nets, uh, stringing up some pretty sturdy wire here and there so that without seeing it, somebody runs into it, they're going to get garroted by the, <laughs> the... If we're being chased... That's an excellent idea. We could run towards that and then duck. <laughs> we could put up some uh, some steel wire, maybe. How about bear traps, too? We could get those for you. Tom? Yes? Just just remember what happened in the church. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. You also... Do, do we really up. want trip wires and bear traps everywhere? Tug does. <laughs> you also want uh, you also want snares, uh, perhaps uh, mid level. We can uh, set up all those traps if we bring a roll of wire. Yeah, it sounds like we're just one dex roll away uh, from catastrophe. <laughs> uh, perhaps uh, maybe we can also uh, prepare some pit traps around the perimeter with some bungee bungee sticks and. If we get if we get enough length of wire, we could go up on the roof of the house because we were attacked from above at the house, and throw some wire over to the trees. Put cans on them as a kind of trap. Come yeah. noise noise detector and a big can of bug spray. <laughs> I'm also wondering if it might not make sense to set up a a decoy antenna somewhere else. Uh, the uh, Antenna is obviously going to attract a great deal of attention. It might be interesting to see whether or not it attracts attention somewhere where it's not really in use. Um, I'm assuming you can spare an extra antenna. Yeah. You, so you mean like two on the same house? One's fake, one's Oh, real? I mean another location. Uh, and, and, however, that also sounds... Uh, couldn't they just improved. get rid of both antennas? Well, yes, they could, but it would be interesting to uh, interesting to see what evidence remains behind from their uh, distraction of the decoy. And we don't know how many of them there are. As uh, as was said, there could be no more than uh, a mated pair, perhaps, for their entire range, or perhaps there are swarms of them. What about know. our what about our alien weapons? Mm. They seem to be highly effective. Um, Sam chimes in on this one. I understand where you're coming from, 
but at the same time, we don't know enough about them yet to realize that they could be more of a danger to yourself than they are to, uh, you know, you actually using them as a weapon. Well, that one just puffed out smoke. Somebody said, have yeah, you had the opportunity kind of to more like dust? And um, I shot lightning. So have, you been, have you been able to run any tests or experiments on them? Sam looks at you and, and says, did any of you bother to breathe any of that dust? Bother to breathe it? That's an odd way of asking. Uh, why? Have you discovered it has useful properties? Yes, it's not just dust. It's not a, it's not a helpless little... Uh, it wasn't just a poof of dust. Well, what is it? What does it do? It probably would have knocked you out and possibly done worse. You might not have woken up. Right. So it's some some kind of toxin. Yes. You know that it wasn't uh, just talcum powder. So that means that if uh, we're able to retrieve a live specimen, it, you'll be able to learn whether it's toxic to them. Correct. That's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, what is the compound? Uh, we're still researching that. It's not of this earth. Let's just say that. I'm ready to bring them back alive. Let's go. Uh, right. I certainly hope we do. And uh, if the compound isn't of this worth, then, uh, well, Target is beginning to sound like you're right about uh, this whole alien thing. Are we going to fly or are we going to drive? Uh, you'll be driving. That's what the two cars. You got the eight and uh, the truck. Well, then I better go pack. Yep, we hope to be on the road here in probably, I don't know, three to four days when you guys are up to it and feeling ready. Cool. In the interval, uh, when, we're not, uh, when we're not looking at the corpses, I suppose we can uh, imagine uh, producing more of them. Uh, do you have a target range in this uh, building? Uh, he, he's very... I don't think it's going to help, even if we did. I mean, I could set up the basement as a makeshift target range, but I'd really rather not do that. I mean, there are people still working here in this building who think they have normal nine to five jobs. And if they start hearing gunshots going off, I think it would just raise too many questions. Ah. Okay. Maybe we could just run through the streets of Detroit shooting guns and they'll just say, man, it's Detroit. Nowadays. So let's just leave it at that thing. Um, they start closing up their books, you know, we still have a few days, so if you think of anything else, make sure to write a note down, get it to, I mean, there's people coming and going here all the time, so get Doctor. it to them, they'll get it to me, and as long as it's not outrageous, I think we can probably get you whatever you want. Thank you again uh, for the opportunity and uh, the support. Uh, Doctor, do you have uh, further information to give us concerning their physiology before we see the specimens? So then, we'll say that the meeting adjourns um, the doctor will stay with you guys. Um, perhaps you can do this over lunch and she kind of like, you know, 
Well, never mind. Um, so the doctor will then, you know, now it's just basically you guys and the doctor. And she basically will just turn to you and say, so questions, you know, it sounds like you still have a whole ton of questions. Do you want to ask me questions? Do you want me to just blurt out the information I have? Why don't you tell us what you think is important for us to know and then we'll ask for more details. Okay. By the way, Jeff, what's the doctor like? Um, in what way? Just well, you know, how old is she? Yeah. Um, uh, Dr. Sarah She is late forties, short, slightly built woman, straight black hair, large brown eyes, giving her an owlish look due to the thick bottle glasses she wears. She's seen constantly drinking a strong coffee, uh, no matter what time of day. Uh, what, time of day or night kind of plain I guess not pretty yeah average yep um, she seems very uh, intense and focused so very little you know she's not joking around a lot it's she's here to do a mission this is important to her just as it is to all the others so she trying to, she tries to stay focused. Um, so after lunch, she breaks her out some of her notes. Could each of you maybe do a luck roll? And I'm curious to see who gets the best luck. I got twenty nine. I got an eighteen. I failed. Fourteen. Fourteen, I think. Well, that's pretty good. Ha uh, ha, Jasper. <laughs> All right, three out of four passes. That's good. Okay, so some of these things you pay, you may know already, so I'll start with some of the obvious ones. So we already know, you already know, that they utilize strange tools and deadly weapons. Uh, she looks at you, Jerry, and she says, I believe you have firsthand knowledge of one in particular. Uh, they, yeah. they're basically they shoot an electrical bolt of electricity. Um, uh, Mr. Dorn, I'm not sure you're even aware how lucky you are. And she kind of leaves it that, at that. Um, as mentioned just previously, a little bit earlier, we believe that some of them, not all of them, have some form. We don't know very many much details about this some form of mind control. Uh, they might be able to recruit other human beings to do their bidding. So keep that in mind. Be careful of one another. Watch each other's back. Um, maybe even come up with a system so that you know that you're, who you're talking to. Do you know if they can read minds? It's, it's unclear. We. It's possible, very much possible. If they if they have the ability to control someone's mind, they probably have some way of interpreting those thoughts of somehow. Um, they're definitely interested in human brains. Um, I believe, and she looks at Danny and Tug, 
I believe the two of you had firsthand experience with that in relation to Professor Learmont. Yeah. Uh, we think that had you not gotten there sooner or not done what you did, um, Professor Learmont may not may not have lived. Um, doctor, um, on, on the subject of, of brains, um, we, we we saw someone who's um, he looked like they performed surgery on him. He had sort of wires at, attached to his 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 head, going into his presumably going into his brain. Um, have, have you encountered anything like that? Um, only to the degree that, I mean, your, your description of that whole event, I think, is probably the most information we got about that. So while we are aware that they have, I don't know, maybe it's just scientific curiosity that they're studying us, um, but their technology in regards to surgery and healing and um, anesthesia, you know, in order to remove someone's brain and swap it into another, we have no idea how they do that. So the idea that they're using wires and technology, it's all still quite a bit of a mystery. He was like a human battery. That's what, what I think was keeping the window open to the other world. Yeah, because when he got turned off, the gateway disappeared. That is true. Do, do I you kind think of that's what we are to them, just machines that they can use. I kind of wonder too if. If maybe he was on the other side, working against him. Another defector, perhaps. I don't know why. It, it seemed like he came this way to tell us something. Perhaps that's how he ended up uh, halfway inside of a rock. Well, Jasper, you can probably confirm that because he had some sort of mental connection with you, didn't he? All I really remember is that he, he he wanted me to kill him. That's that was the main thing. And isn't he the one that showed you or alerted you to the fact that the woman was trapped in that cabin? Yeah. Oh yes. So I think he helped you directly there in what as you say, it probably goes against what their wishes were. Maybe he traveled in time, Tug. Perhaps their control isn't absolute, then. I wonder if perhaps, uh, if they can influence the mind, then perhaps can they make, make one see them as other than they are? In your, Doctor, in your, in the encounters of other teams and investigators uh, have and has anyone else described uh, monstrous beings with an appearance other than uh, that of the corpses 
I mean, again, I think it's it's probable and possible, but I don't know if we have any direct evidence of that specifically. Jerry, go ahead. So I, I was just going to ask: Are there any um, are there any historical accounts of these things, or is this the first time they've they've been here? And, and Mr. Abelard said that he'd encountered them in um, in Nepal. And he, he made it sound like there was um, uh, that there were stories about them, folklore or legends. Do 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 we have have we found anything like that going going back any um, any any distance or or um, is is it mainly just recent accounts that we've got? It's a good question. You kind you kind of stumped her a little bit. Um, she responds by saying it's only until recently, and by recently I mostly mean what Mr. Mr. Ablard has been able to do on his own with, you know, with all of our help, that their true study has really started. So it's part of the connection with the folklore tales, you know, it's, it's, it's the same thing, like if if some folklore exists that talks about a creature out in the woods, that could date back hundreds of years. And yet at the time, nobody knew, nobody suspected it could be quote aliens, but that's part of what we were trying to piece together that if, if, if we get enough of these folklore tales to line, line up and to coordinate, then maybe we can figure out when they actually arrived. Well, the, the the ones that um, that we encountered seemed uh, very intent on removing any any record of their, their presence here, which which would seem to indicate that if they've been here in the past, they they would have pursued that that agenda as well. So um, there may have been accounts of them, but whether whether they survive, I guess, is an, another matter, isn't it? But yes. Perhaps they were successful enough in forging these records that it explains why I at least can think of no folkloric accounts involved in demonic lobsters or even crustaceans. Uh, she looks at her notes again. Uh, we discussed this and you already have first-hand experience with this. We know that some of them have wings and can fly. Are the wings insectile? Yes, although we're not entirely convinced. We're not entirely convinced that the wings alone are what give them the powers of flight. Yeah, because if they're as big as us or bigger, the wings wouldn't work. There's only... There's only a certain size you can get before wings become ineffective. And I think um, if any of you have biology, you can correct, correct me. I think there's, there's like a, a saying out there that if you look at a, a simple uh, bee, bumblebee, that like scientifically those wings and their body design, are, they should not be able to fly. Like there's no, it doesn't fall in line with what we know under aviation as far as lift and it's just 
they can do it. They just flap their wings as hard as they can and they're airborne. But scientifically, it doesn't necessarily make sense how it actually happens. So I'm not saying that's a direct correlation, but we think that there just might be something to the idea that it may not be just um, what we understand of normal science as far as aviation and you know lift and all that. You know anything about how they communicate with each other? Yeah, she flips a few pages in her notes and she says they communicate by producing a buzzing insect-like voice. Mm. So they have a language. We believe so, yes. Well, yes, we know so. Something struck me when you were talking about um, kind of mind power or powers of control. Do you remember, Jerry, when we were shooting the one on the roof and, and there was a blackness light just a, a blackness that yes, might I have been, maybe that was something, maybe it was using its mind to make you see black to hide where it was. So it might be worth telling um, Sam, uh, Mr. Mr. Morrison, that um, for his team, that if they see right, really heavy shadows and that could actually be a creature hiding. If they're using some kind of mind powers. Mm. I had forgotten about that, yeah. Mm. They, they may have all manner of, 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 of tricks and devices that we haven't even encountered yet. So if you see a black shadow, shoot it, I think. Probably something like that. Ask questions later. The hey, doctor kind of raises an eyebrow like, oh my. That, that gives me a, an idea you say about shooting things. I, I just I hadn't really thought about this before, but um, when when I was a kid, uh, there was an old guy who used to go um, fishing in the creek, but he didn't use uh, a rod and line. He used uh, like a bow and arrow, but he had like a fishing reel. On, on, on his bow. Almost like a harpoon. Yeah, and he used to fire an arrow and um, most of the time he'd miss, but he'd just pull it back in. And then when it did, when he did hit a fish with it, he could just sort of reel the fish back in. So um, we need harpoon guns or something of that nature. Well, yeah, or maybe um, a, a crossbow and um, some, some really heavy fishing line. That's a great idea. Are you much of an archer, We might be able to stop one from, from getting away. Or are at you, least, are you, are you or at least keep it there long enough to see, to get a look at it. Yes, it's a, it's a fine idea. Are you much of an archer, Jasper? Um, oh. Not really. I mean, I can, I can fire a shotgun. Well, I, I'm certain I'm no archer, but if, uh, if we can get some harpoon rifles... Uh, uh, I think, I think a, a, a crossbow is pretty easy to use. What is it, Tug? What about photographs? We need to bring some cameras. What are we um, going to do with photographs of them? That's a good idea. Use them, at, send them back to Mr. Abelard, and I mean, we need evidence. We need to know what we're fighting. You know. Yeah, we want to bring it back, sure, as well. Yeah, we should. We should get. I mean, if if we treat this as a as a scientific expedition, we should be trying to get as much broad ranging evidence as, evidence as possible. And like, with, if we if we shot it with one of these, 
um, crossbows um, or, or a harpoon or something, even if it got away, it might leave um, bits of, of, yes. um, of tissue yeah. on the uh, on the harpoon. We might be able to um, analyze that and, and see what they're made of. But if we if we photographed it as well when we caught it, even if it got away, we'd have photographs of it. Doctor, what about the vulnerabilities? Are there any substances uh, that you know to be uh, incapacitating to them or toxic? Um, dynamite. Uh, dynamite will work. Dynamite. Is I was thinking more of a substance that would immobilize them. Dynamite. So they were harpooned. My only weakness. <laughs> well, do we know anything about their actual physiology? Other than just bits and pieces, not not a lot. I mean, that's that's what that's what we're doing right now as we speak. Well, yeah. Now, if we don't, if we, if we know that better, then we can construct a poison that will kill them. Correct. After that, you experimented on a live specimen. What did you learn? So, back to what uh, Mr. Thompson was saying. Um, about the cameras. I think it's a good idea. You should do that. Uh, but, and again, you know, we're talking about things that we don't fully understand. When we captured the one, we brought it in for interrogation. We filmed it and we recorded it. When we had the film developed and we played it back, it was basically me, I was the one doing the interrogation, sitting across from an empty chair. See, they can go invisible. How is that even possible? Exactly. It's one thing to manipulate the mind or recollections, but... Maybe it's, maybe it's got something to do with those portals. If they, they they might come from somewhere and we can we can see them with our eyes because we know they're there, or maybe even what we see isn't what they really look like. Well, there are corpses we're about to see, but uh, doctor, you said interrogation. Does that mean you expect it to be able to communicate with it? Yes. How? How? I mean, I mean, we spoke to it. It learned our language in approximately two days. I see. So it can form our language with its fuzzy voice. Yes. Right. Um, well, what what were you able to learn during the time you uh, interrogated it? If you're interested, I can let you hear the recording. So its voice remained, just but not the image. Correct. Yes, sir, I would be uh, be very interested. Okay. Um, and uh, how did it uh, how did it meet its end? She buries her face in her notes, and she says that I mean I think we've already discussed this beyond belief beyond already, but. In case there's just any doubts in your mind, these are alien creatures. These are, these things are not from this earth. Um, I understand that the, the, the chemical, uh, the dust you said was 
not of a terrestrial element, but just why are you so certain that the creatures are extraterrestrial? Uh, when you listen to the recording, you will be aware of that. And and how uh, you said it learned the language in two days, uh, but you no longer have a living specimen. So what happened to it? Uh, let's just say it did not survive the interrogation. I assumed as much. I just I assumed that however it perished would tell us something about what they can withstand or not. And uh, you don't need to do a psychology role to just know that she's kind of uncomfortable at the moment. Right? She's she's not hiding it. She's just. She can we can we hear the tape? See the tape? Yep. Um, one last thing I just want to tell you real quick is that physically they appeal to be uh, a strange fusion of flesh and fungus. So you were talking about what they might be, you know, what, what might possibly hurt them or kill them. I mean, it sounds silly, but bleach. Anything that kills fungus might be very helpful. Wait, fungus. So they're like... So is that kind of like your shell is like fungus? Yeah. I mean, she's struggling. We need, to, we need to bring lots of bleach with us and we could throw buckets of bleach over them. Or have um, water cannons. But of course that destroys the specimen, doesn't it? Yeah. Potential. But it'd be handy as a... As a um, a final, uh, final option if we, if we get overrun with them. Does that mean that they don't fare well in uh, dry environments? Uh, or that they are sensitive to light? Um, that's a good question. We don't have any real information on that. We know that they're in the Himalayas, so I think, I mean, I don't know if that would be considered dry or not, but no. I would, I would, I would expect hot hot cold well it's it's tropical it's india so it's tropical as you go up the mountain of course it gets cold but right i think what i meant was i mean like i'm trying to remember back to our times from our times from in the antarctic uh like there's snow around but it's like one of the most driest arid phenomenon of freeze drying as well Right, right. So that's, that's why she's, that's what I'm sort of referring to. Yeah. Um, and so it's possible that they reproduce through spores. Well, that, that's very possible, yeah. My goodness. All right. Um, sanity roll, please. Doctor, do they have brains? I, I guess so. I mean, it's, it's hard to, that's hard to pin down. Oh, awesome. So uh, I, made, I made the sanity roll, Jeff. Okay, so just based off of all this new information and, and the talking, it's just going to be zero if you pass and one if you fail. Um, but does that, do any of you have science and or biology? 
Mm -mm. Uh, I have biology at 20. I think earlier you suggested making a biology check. I didn't okay. do that. Uh, I failed the check. Um, so is there anything else I should do with my 20 points in biology? So, you know, I'm just going to, uh, why don't all of you just take 5% in biology? Okay. Yeah, because we're in college, we had to take some biology. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... You don't mean to add 5%, you mean that the other guys should have at least 5 Meaning, Right, if you don't right. have it, give yourself yeah. 5 Jerry, mm -hmm. if you have it, you can add 5 Okay, so I can add 5 cool. I'm adding 5 Right. And then the last bit is uh, you can all give yourself 2% in Cthulhu Mythos. And then, of course, don't forget to subtract it from your total. Right. She looks at Danny. Who wants to see some dead bodies? Let's do it. <laughs> um, so she kind of gives you a little warning. She looks at each one of you, and it's like, are you all up for this? We'll find yes. out. Okay. If at any time you need to leave, just do so. Don't feel like you need to stick around for the sake of, you know, if it becomes too much, there's no shame in just leaving. And are they? Do they smell? Yes. Oh, geez. Hmm. So it's going to be a con roll. <laughs> so. She gets up and she says, follow me, gentlemen. And she leads you to the elevator and she takes you back down to the basement floor. And you exit the elevator. Now, this is the way you came in, so this is all still familiar. But when you came in, there was a closed door and it, it had you know, a little silence that's uh, restricted. So she takes out a key, she opens, unlocks the door, she opens the door, and right away, you're hit with the smell. And it actually is just strange right it smells like a combination of bleach uh you, you know like when you walk into a hospital there's that, that chemical septic yeah yeah so that sort of smell you know i don't know if you ever walked into an old person's home there's a weird sort of that smell right so like all these sort of nondescript so uh smells kind of hit you right in the face um uh, you just ate lunch. I'm going to ask a con, but you know, I'm just looking for a crit fail if, you, if it really bothers you. 19. Okay. No problem. You live in a dorm room. You've probably smelled worse. Yeah. Ricky socks. <laughs> so let's see. Let's see if I can do this real quick. Um, it's a very sterile, like. What's that? I'm sorry. I failed, but I didn't crit fail. So okay, that's fine. Um, so it's just it's offensive to you, but it's not not outrageous. Um, so very very you know lab like conditions in here. Um, so this little box right here, that's the elevator. Okay. So you basically came out and you made a left into here. Um, 
she brings you in. Uh, there's people in here, not a lot, you know, maybe six to 10. Uh, everybody's wearing lab coats. Everybody's got protective gloves on, you know, probably face masks of some sort. Um, she asks you if you would put the same precautions on for you guys. So she just hands you some, uh, some masks. Gladly, that, that smell, is it? The bleach is from your work? Yes. Mm -hmm. What What do they smell like without all the chemicals? Have you ever left a container of mushrooms in your refrigerator and forgot about them? Well, it's hard to forget what it smelled like after that. Kind of dirt, like, uh, yeah. If you've ever smelled rotten mushrooms... It's like that. Is that because they smell that way once they're dead? Or is that how they smell even when living? Well, I guess when they're living, not so much. It's mostly when they're dead or when you cut them open. All right. So she starts bringing it around. Um, in one of the rooms... You notice, so once you walk into that main room there, it's divided up into all these little, like, cubbies. So that you ever see, like, those um, old hospitals where they basically are, they're like a, an aluminum pipe almost, and they're curtains right. set up? So, like, just simple little curtain dividers, pretty much. And there's a whole bunch of those scattered about. Um, and there's, <clears throat> like, um, cells. That's what she's basically calling them. They're individual cells. So on one, you look in and you see there's some uh, mechanical devices being worked on, meaning the weapons that you guys found, they've recovered them, they've brought them back, and they're currently working on them. So you recognize the guns that Jasper, you picked up, Danny, you picked up, and Tug, you picked up. So they're probably the same exact weapons that you picked up. Um, in the corner, there's the uh, Tug and Danny if you remember when you broke in or when you went in to save Learmonth, uh, you saw one of the big silver canisters. There's one of those. I don't remember any of that. <laughs> what happens when, when they, when they die and they're, they're um, examined, do they release any spores doctor? It's not pretty. It's, it's, they turn into a pile of muck. Um, they, they basically like disintegrate almost. Mm. Does that mean they don't have internal organs? Are they more li like insects or is it, does that only happen once they die? Uh, the disintegration and everything happens when they die. So were you able to uh, extract any organs from a living, from the living specimen? Not successfully or if we have, they don't last long at all. Is there any idea of what they're made of? Um, just the, what she shared with you earlier, the, it seems to be a hybrid fusion of some, I mean, it's hard to put it into words, but it's like a, a fungus and a flesh combination. But they're still based on carbon, surely. Correct, yes. 
but yet somehow it doesn't show up on photographs. Right. Well, let's see one of these damn things. <laughs> or, or, or are we going to see nothing other than a pile of muck? Um, the ones we found are uh, desiccated. So maybe there is something to the whole atmosphere of whether or not there's water in it. Um, so she brings you in and she pulls the curtain aside and there's one on the table that is has three guys in lab suits working on it and it's basically laid open. Um, you see them, they're like removing items from its internal organs and such. Um, and then there's another table where there's just a, a sheet over it. So it's like, you know, it's probably either being worked on or was worked on already. Um, it's just, it's currently covered with a sheet. And then in the background, could you each do a spot? Well, nah, yeah, do a spot head. I'm going to see what you got. Uh, yeah, that's yes, fifteen. Well, con con continuing my uh, failing every check tonight, uh, <laughs> I rolled a ninety-one. So okay. no. Well, so so I think Jerry, with that, I'm gonna say you don't actually see this. You know, there's people in front of you. You're seeing the you see the creature on the, the table being examined, but I'm sorry, the other three passed, right? Yes. Uh, I feel better. I got a hard. So Danny, maybe a similar, you know, it's like you notice the uh, tanks, but what it is is there's um, uh, eight glass tanks, like basically just giant aquariums. And in each one there's, uh, well, I mean, those of you that don't see it, but, Tug and Jasper, you see there's uh, some sort of a dark body in this dark, murky water. Um, and she tells you they're trying to re, uh, rehydrate them. Re rehydrate them. Uh, we hope that maybe we can learn more about that. And we hope that maybe the organs can be preserved in some way. Where and how were the desiccated remains discovered? Um, they were discovered in the Andes. The Andes, South America? Yes. Um, how many of these things do you have? Well, with the two on the table and the eight in the tank, that's a total of ten. Wow. And have the others, how many desiccated? They're all, they're all, they're all desiccated, yes. Yeah. So, uh, were these all recovered from the Andes? Yes. Um, I think I'm going to ask for a sanity roll. Yeah, that seems like a good idea. Huh. 91. I am deteriorating uh, again. Oh. Well, that's right. I did make one check this evening, the sanity check. Maybe that's why I didn't see the ones. Uh, <laughs> in the I, I failed that. Uh, I got a zero one. Oh wow! So that's but a great success, right? Jerry, yeah, I'm gonna say you don't even have to take any because that's awesome. Um, 
Danny, you didn't necessarily see the ones in the tank either, so do you, you? I passed it. I mean, you I passed, passed it. it wrong. So if you feel like it, just take one. If you don't feel it's necessary, then don't. Okay. Um, Jasper and Tug, I'm just gonna say one D three because you you were prepared. You know, you were you knew you knew kind of what you were walking into. So uh, I point at the organs being lifted out of the corpse. Well, it looks like they do have something resembling organs. And then Jeff, uh, with my 25 biology, can I roll to see if uh, I can guess which organ uh, is for what purpose, or is that a pointless exercise? An alien, an alien organ? Okay. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he says that's a stupid question, but I kind of had to ask, you know? I'll just say you think you know what they are. How's that? Well, do I think one of them's a brain? That's really what I was getting at. Uh, they haven't gotten in the head yet. Ah, okay. So does uh, it look like they have lungs? Like I'm trying to figure out, are, these, are they sort of like humans or are they more like something, I don't know, quite different? Like I guess an insect wouldn't have lungs, right? But maybe these guys do. They have I don't hmm. I guess you would call them lungs, but they're small. Um, they like uh, book lungs. Sorry, I didn't hear you. Are they like book lungs, like um, insect lungs? Or yeah, they... I don't know what that is, so I'm going to say yes. <laughs> oh, okay. Are they, are they weird and creepy? Yeah. Then yes. Yeah, because yeah, the uh, insects breathe through holes in their body. Mm -hmm. Spiracles. Spiracles. Um, Danny, can you do another spot hidden? I know you were jazzed to look at it. Yeah, no. All right, go ahead, Jerry, spot uh, How many limbs have they got? Two. Well, plus like legs and arms, four, two legs, two arms. Yeah, what describe, you haven't given us like an overall description of what they look like. Yeah, so the one on the table, the ones in the tanks are very hard to see. They're in that, in that murky water. So, so extreme success, by the way. Okay, nice. All right, so that's what I was waiting for. Um, they... They, they're, they're like I said, they're desiccated, so they look almost like black. Um, their, the, their skin, if you want to call it skin, is like um, uh, dried out leather, right? So it looks like you could knock on it and it would sound like hard leather book kind of thing. Um, Jerry, you notice the, that they're that they have hands and feet, which how many, how many digits? Well, it looks like the same amount of digits, about five. Um, but two things, two things about that. It looks like they're webbed. And the biggest thing that, that might be a little bit concerning to you, it doesn't look like the claw that you and Danny saw. Yeah, does, it, does it look like they have opposable digits? Yeah. These look like dead humans that have desiccated, right? Kind of, yeah, a little bit. Their, their hands and feet are webbed like they're a, 
aquatic. Yeah. Uh, that looks nothing. It looks nothing like uh, like that chitinous claw from the from Cobb's Corners from before. And that's what Dr. Matheson says that we, you know, we mentioned that we think they have some ability to. Uh, I don't. I don't know. Uh, shape shift is not the right term, but they have a. They have the capability to change their physiology, right? So, so are you saying they can adapt to an environment? Yes, that's what we believe. So, you, said, you said that their medical technology was way ahead of ours. Right. Maybe they graft other body parts onto that's, themselves. That's a very good, that's a possibility, yes. That's crazy. Um, yeah, it's pre pretty creepy. I didn't actually look it up yet, but um, the whole DNA when that was discovered and all. So I don't know if, if, if that's common knowledge. It's not common knowledge. No. It, it has been discovered at this point, but it's not common knowledge. Okay. Maybe it was discovered by the Abelard's team. Well, do they all have, uh, have the wedding? Actually, I kind of know the answer to that. I think DNA was actually discovered in the 1800s, but it wasn't until the 1950s that they realized what it actually was. Mm, right. It was the uh, the genetic code for what we are. Mm, right. Okay. Uh, Doctor, do they all have the webbing? All of your specimens? Yes. Hmm. They're quite different then. Uh, looking at the head, Jeff, does it look like it has obvious perceptual organs? Yes. How many? Uh, the same, two, same as the humans. But these are composed of flesh and fungus. Yes. What if these are borrowed bodies, like the other people that we've encountered, the borrowed bodies? And that they're part human and part the outsides look human, the insides are alien. You said they're a fungus. Maybe it's an infection mm. of some sort. The and you, you seem to like all the other workers in the room have kind of like stopped working and they're like listening to you like And I'm tugged, the dumb one. <laughs> <laughs> but I like sci fi, so you should become a professor, Tug. This is crazy. So I'm going to ask for another sanity roll. From everybody, just because he said that? <laughs> well, just from all the descriptions. And the 95. Bad. Failed. Uh, one, one D4. Zero. Yeah, and so Jeff, I uh, finally failed one. Uh, I rolled a 76 for 70. Okay. One D4. Thank goodness, one. I think I'll see the psychiatrist next. <laughs> You guys wanted to come down here. Oh, I just lost four. We have to stop oh, these things before they take over. Tug, the when, you, when, when you said, um, like, you mean you think that perhaps they're spores or how, how, they, how they transmit themselves? I don't know, but look uh, at them. They don't I, look like giant crab creatures. They look like people, that we, except that, on the inside. That, hmm. that, that. That means that just um, who know who that um, 
They're in camouflage. How do we know that this uh, protection is sufficient? How do we know anything? I don't know. You keep asking, how do we know? Oh, we don't know anything. At this point, we're completely flying on our... You're right. We don't know anything. But look, you've got people, desiccated people. Half of what we think we know, we probably don't don't know. Well, and these things can't be photographed? I say to the scientists. What about the dead ones? Can you photograph the dead ones? Uh, That's a good question. We have tried. We just haven't gotten the film back yet. I think we should go and catch something that we don't know what it is. We just go and catch it and bring it back. Yes. Yeah. Uh, um, yes, we should. We should definitely. We should definitely go. What if these things that we're looking at? Because I keep thinking you can't really see them, and if you can't see something, then it's not really there. What if these are decoys of some sort? We're wasting all of our time studying these things when the real thing is something else entirely. I'm just if it's if it's guessing. a spore, who knows what its true form is, or if it even has one. What if these are just just a weapon? These are just like, big mushrooms. Yeah, maybe grow. they're like the servants of the crab lobster things. Weird. Let's go kill them all. Yeah. Uh, we started a little bit late. Can we go another five or ten minutes? Sure. Okay, with you guys, Jasper. Yes. All right. Um, yes, we so definitely she, need to ask for uh, bleach cannons and harpoons, and maybe she, uh, maybe more explosives. She she kind of like you know shuffles you all out. She's like, Let, let's let these guys get back to work. Um, so she's kind of shuffles you out of that area, and she brings you through one uh, cell slash room, whatever you want to call it. Um, could you each do a spot hidden for me, please? Zero four. Ooh, hot pass. Hot pass. Head pass. Nope. I failed. Maybe maybe Jerry has seen enough and thought I'm, enough. I am looking within. Yeah. Hot cheese. So she's kind of you know she's taking you somewhere. So this is like you, Danny and Jasper. You just kind of are like looking around. So you just happen to like look in and to the cracks, the curtains, or whatever. So you see this uh, in this one particular cell. There's a few. Um, Items of there's uh, what look like spears, um, kind of like rude, uh, crude, um, rudimentary spears. They have uh, obsidian knives. Um, there is what appear to be some rough-hewn gold jewelry on the tabletop. And Danny, with your good roll, you see that there's a. Hmm. Uh, like a, a black blackish green almost looks like the size of a book a large book uh, slab of what looks like might be like shiny marble almost hmm. so the, the the spears and things is that kind of look like uh, stone or bronze age kind of weapons yeah except for the fact that some of the, the obsidian yeah 
I ask her about it. I say, what, what, was, what were those weapons from? Uh, she kind of looks over her shoulder as she continues walking, and she says, yeah, that, that they were found at the same site where we found these bodies. And you, you say they, they were found in the Andes? Yes. So, so the, um, these things have been around for centuries. Are they Incan? Incan artifacts? Could be. I mean, I, I didn't, I'm not sure I, I even really thought of that, but maybe they adapted the technology of the Incans. Hmm. It's ancient anyway, remember that. So she finally brings you to this small room. Um, it's basically, there's a couple chairs. There's a steel examination table set up. Uh, it's got leather straps on it, like to, to strap something or someone down. Um, at the, the, on the side of it, there's a fairly large electrical generator. Uh, wires and cables coming out of that. Bells, buttons, and whistles and stuff. Um, and she brings you over to, well, she asks you all to take a seat. And she goes over to the corner and she takes out a recording device. Um, and she starts setting up a recording. Um, While she's setting it up, Jeff, um, yes. I uh, got an extreme success on anthropology to already know something about like Nazca lines, like Andean stuff like that. So I asked the doctor. But they've uh, been discovered then. Uh, I just thought they were, but maybe I should have checked that first. Mm -hmm. uh, well, either way, uh, whether I know about those in detail, that's what I was going to ask her. I was going to ask her, were, were these specimens found anywhere near any particular ruins or any kind of other com some complex or artifacts, or were they, were they in caves? Uh, what were the circumstances of their discovery? Um, they were in, in caves at like the foot of a mountain. Were there ruins around them as though perhaps they were venerated or we, worshipped we, as if mention of that. I was wondering if the uh, if the locals knew of them or had or they had some kind of cult as they seem to in Vermont. Mm, okay. Let's hear the tape. Yep. She starts the recording and you hear this. you understand me? Yes, we understand. You have been here for two days. Why did you wait until now to speak to me? We did not speak your language. You mean that you learned English in just two days? How? Listening to human speech since capture two solar cycles ago. That's amazing. So why do you wish to speak to me now? Hungry require food. Well, I've tried feeding you everything I can think of, but you haven't eaten anything. Cannot consume food. Must return to a mountain. Well, I just can't let you go back to the Himalayas now, can I? We have not harmed you. Leave us to be left alone and in secret. No harm to you. Need food. will die. Well, I'll see what I can do. But let's get back to the question, shall we? What shall I call you? 
We are Mika. Mika. We found you in the Himalayan mountains. Where did you come from before that? Far away. You do not know of it yet. Yes, but what is it called? How far away is it? Very far. Food. Must have food soon. I'll get you some food soon. But I must know more about this place. Food. Food. I warn you, if you do not answer my questions, I will be forced to administer an electric shock to make you talk. Talk no more. Must have food. Food. The flurry of sounds lasts for three minutes of the recording. The cacophony seems to include the electric hum, the hiss of static discharge, a metal scraping sound. Dr. Matheson is shouting for the Migo to answer the questions, and an eerie buzzing scream. Finally, the subject speaks an almost unintelligible word. And where is this you goth? Ninth planet in this system. You're lying. The solar system only has eight planets. Am I going to have to turn the electricity back on? No. Your species has not found it yet. Well, what brings you to Earth then? I asked you what is your reason for being on Earth? Food. I must have food. A return of the horrific sounds of the electric hum and an ear-splitting, high-pitched wail. One minute silence, followed by buzzing sound that begins to form words. This repeated three more times, then the subject falls silent. Electric hum heard and further high-pitched wail. Here's that the subject, this Migo, has died. Its head is no longer changing colors, and the process of decomposition appears to be advancing rapidly. Its whole body is beginning to discolor to brown and quickly putrefy. End the recording. I have to rush the carcass to the lab and start an autopsy before it's too late. Sanity roll before we... Yeah. Jeez, I didn't know they were going to be torturing them. Oh, one. Oh, three. Oh, five. Wow. 73. Oof. <laughs> Jasper, just do a one v four. Uh, I'm gonna be mean. Just the rest, of you just take one. Two. And I think we'll end it there. Excellent. So, Jeff, if we want to ask questions of the doctor about the recording, we'll start with that next time. Yeah. Okay. Our players included Mick Swan, George C, Ken Trench and myself with Jeff Wilkins as the Keeper of the Secrets. We're currently producing up to five shows a week with music and sound effects added in post-production in order to create a richer listener experience. We provide audio-only versions of our shows free for you to download from Podbean or iTunes. The costs involved with the show are provided almost entirely by our patrons. Without them, we wouldn't be able to do what we do. If you'd like to support our show, visit our Patreon account. Just a dollar or two a month helps us a lot. You can find a link in the description below. Like, share, and subscribe to our channel and punch that bell icon for updates on our latest shows 
and leave us some comments. We enjoy reading them and answering any questions you might have. This is Tom Rayleigh, together with all the members of our gaming club, inviting you to journey with us once again into the darkness for another adventure into the universe of HP Lovecraft and the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. Until next time, good luck and good gaming. <laughs> <laughs>